All right, welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Show. In this one, oh, we, we've left space behind, haven't we? Uh, unfortunately. I don't know if it was unfortunate. I think it's about time. Did I get an email? Did someone leave us a review? And they were like, four stars. I got a bit sick after space after episode 17. Yeah. Or whatever we got soon. Yeah. yeah it, so I think it's... It, it was kind of funny because the original plan for today when I was first doing it was going to be something on Star Wars. And then I was like, oh, no, I can't. I can't. Let's move on to something uh, like history or something. Something a little... I I think it's, I think it's wise. Uh, what are we talking about today? Now... The title of the episode's got something to do on... This is always the working title, so I have no idea if this will be the final title. But when I saw it today, the you know, the working document that we both have in front of us, it's called Burke and Hare. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that really sounds like, you know, like a Savile Row, which is like uh, the the big street of suits in London. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a, oh, yeah. you know, like a, an outfitter yeah. or a tailor. Like, come to Burke and Hare yeah. for the finest in gentlemen's wear. Well, it was for the finest in fresh bodies, actually. So, you know, it Absolutely. works uh, for a time. <laughs> the, the finest they in were fresh the, bodies, as we'll find out, alcohol-soaked bodies. Yeah, it was where the, you know, the, the physician got the best bodies from, you know, Burke and Hare. You just order them up. We'll get into that. But, yeah. He probably didn't go to like a fancy Savile Row store. No, though. it was more of a back, <laughs> as, we, as we will shortly a see. backstreet type situation. We're taking a little bit of a, well, let me just, uh, we're, we're having a slight change in structure today. As you know, this is an evolve. I, I say this is like a new and evolving podcast. We are about six months into this thing, but I think, you know, it still feels as new. with evolution. It does still feel new, doesn't it? I don't know if that's a good sign. I guess it. I I remember someone, one of the first reviews we got was like, this doesn't feel like one of those podcasts where they've been doing it for, you know, endless years and they just sound bored. (laughs) So I'm I'm still, you know, one day we'll get there and then we'll know we're veterans. Uh, Anyway, so let me just say before we get started, if you want to contact us, tell us how we're doing, whether you like us to do more space episodes or not, you can email us at podcast at todayfoundout.com. You can check our forums out where you can discuss the episode at podcast.todayfoundout.com. It's all very easy to remember, isn't it? Uh, And we do have a review contest. So we're aiming, uh, I think last time I checked, we're at 176 reviews on iTunes. Once we get to 200, we're giving away a $200 Amazon gift card to one lucky randomly selected winner from those first 200 reviews and also on the other, uh, also reviews on the other leading podcast platforms. So that is happening. And the way we're changing the structure a little bit is we're starting with a quick fact right? We're just going to, mm-hmm. I was like, we should definitely brand this. And then I came up with a terrible idea of calling it a brain starter. <laughs> so uh, obviously that needs work. Snack. Brain snack. So what is our brain starter slash brain snack yeah. for today's episode? So when the, um, we have the, the US Postal Service, you know, and in the, in the early days at some point they decided to start doing parcels, right? So they had mm-hmm. parcel post service, and so they launched it, but they didn't actually have much in the way of rules. So uh, when they launched it on January 1st, 1913, uh, somebody got the idea, and then many other other people picked up on it, that why not mail children? You know, like if you want to send your, you know, kid off to their grandparents' house, you can just literally, and this is literally what they would do, is affix the postage to their clothing along with an address and mail them. It's a, well, it's not a bad idea. No, because it turns out this is way cheaper. Uh, so, like uh, for instance, on one of them, uh, well, I'll get into it in a minute. But it was about about basically about a third of the price of sending them via train uh, to to send them via uh, post. I was also looking. Wait, how much was that? The first example I see, it was about like three dollars and seventy two cents today. Yeah, and I'm like, that's real cheap. Yeah, yeah, that's today's yeah. money to go by rail. Yeah, and it, post. Wait, was that post? 
Or was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that is cheap. No, that is totally cheap. And it, that was about a third of the price of a, really of, a, of a train ticket to the equivalent destination. Uh, so, yeah, the, the first known case of this was uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jesse something. Bu- Bu- Dude, I don't know. It's your country. You <laughs> That's definitely not an uh, American sounding name. Uh, Buge. I say Boge. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's probably good. Uh, yeah, so of Ohio. <laughs> Dude, I've got no idea. It's Absolutely a weird spelling. No it's a, there's a lot of vowels in there. Um, anyways. B-E-A-U-G-E. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, 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 uh, they three weeks after the launch of Parcel Post, they decided to mail their son to his grandmother's house. Uh, and it was, as you said, uh, 15 cents or about $3.72 today. It's a good yeah, deal. it's not bad at all. And, well, it depends how far the grandmother's well, house is, but I'm assuming yeah, it's not it couldn't, like a walk distance. couldn't have been that far for because a train ticket, you know, would be... Uh, but anyways, mm-hmm. so then the next up on January 27th, 1913, so this again was just a few weeks later after the la- uh, launch, uh, Mr. and Mrs. J.W. Savis of Pennsylvania, they mailed their daughter to relatives for a fee of 45 cents, so that must have been a little further away. Uh-huh. Three times further away, perhaps. Yeah, the most famous, of course, was uh, um, in February of 1914. So this had been going on a year that people had been doing this. Um, finally, yeah. uh, the, someone mailed a five-year-old Mary, or sorry, May Pierstoff of Idaho was mailed to her grandmother's house at the cost of 53 cents. Um, so that's about $13 today. I love, I love how you say... The most famous example, of course. Well, uh, like we're all familiar. With this. <laughs> well, no, this is this one is famous because it actually became you know the public actually was like in the general public was like wait a minute people are mailing children like this is a thing ah, and so this was the case that kind of got the, the that... got the, uh, the the ball rolling on like wait a minute or should we really be allowing this you know and so yeah there was an inquiry mm-hmm. over the matter of mailing children and this uh, the postmaster general Albert Burleson. He declared that, um, no, we should stop. We should make a rule against mailing human beings. However, that didn't stop it. people from continuing to do it for about two more years. Like the, the Postal Service, the various local offices continued to accept mailing children. Uh, so there was a rule against <laughs> it, but people still kept showing up with their children. Yeah. Hey! Uh. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, this kind of just kept going. And like I said, they just, uh, yeah, they would put the postal postage right on their stamps, right on their clothes, just kind of pin them to it and along with the address. And um, it was it was actually quite safe, though, because so so the, you had the mail workers, of course, taking the mail. You know, they would go on the trains with the mail and then carrying it around and stuff like that. So they were just the kids would just accompany them and just sit next to them on the train. And then when they got there, they would have a postal worker just like, you know, they take the mail to the address. They would just have someone run the kid over to the to whatever address and it worked worked out, I guess. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, I especially mean, now nowadays, the, if they because you know they have the fancy tracking now, so you can always see where they were. Uh, was was the postal service at this point? Uh, I don't know. I I, oof, I don't even know if ours is in the UK. If it's subsidized by the taxpayer, is it in the US or is it uh, a private entity? No, I'm pretty sure it is. That's I'm not 100, percent but I'm like I'm, I would say like 90 percent sure that the US postal service is subsidy subsidized. Well, yeah, it has it has okay. to be because there's always those news articles about like um, how they're losing so much money and stuff these days. Okay, because I'm like, if this was a for-profit enterprise, those two, they'd be like, uh-uh, yeah. no, yeah. no, this is not happening. Yeah, yeah. Or just like offer, you know, they have parcel post, maybe they should offer you like a human post, you know, like actually have a, a service. Yeah, dude, it's called the railway <laughs> yeah. or planes. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, have you seen these YouTube videos where, I think it was maybe a year or two ago, it was a bit of a kind of viral thing where people would mail themselves places. So they would build <laughs> crates. And they would ship themselves on like FedEx. There was one guy, and I think the consensus was this is definitely fake. Uh-huh. Um, but he purported 
to ship himself from the UK to, I think it's Los Angeles. <laughs> so he puts himself in a oh, box. That doesn't sound like a like good idea. His journey. No, no. And I think people are like, this is definitely fake. Because other than all of the like freezing to death logistics, people are like, dude, what happens when you get out of that box mm -hmm. and then on your way out, you're going through passport control and they're like, yo, where's your entrance step? Uh -huh. Well, and like, what if that box gets like, you know, lots of boxes on it and he can't get out and he's like dying, you know, inside? That's that's it. And it's isn't it super cold? And well, you think aboard those ships, they're probably not like, uh, you know, climate. Con no, dude, dude, he was in a plane. Oh, they took him on a plane. It wasn't like a shipping. Container. Oh, yeah. Well, he's not going to spend like three well, weeks in a box. Did he know that it was going to be? Oh, wait, those people definitely do. Yeah. Like some of them go on shipping no. containers and stuff unless they're paying for. I mean, that would be an expensive thing to ship if you're. Yeah, no, this dude was definitely on a plane. It was like it was like 48 hours or something he was in this box. It wasn't like... Weeks. Yeah, because you imagine like shipping something that weighs like, I don't know, 150 pounds or whatever for the in a, to overnight or something. But yeah, dude, it's, it's, we should look that up. I'm going to follow up on that next one. I'm going to... Or like look at this video because I bet it is super expensive because that's a crate going onto a yeah, plane. Yeah, I would bet like you could probably get a good airline deal somewhere for cheaper, one would think. It's true. And then you get like, you know, onboard service. Yeah, and it's, and it's like, like heat. better than overnight. You're, you're, you're just kind of there, you know, in a few hours. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, uh, I, I would think, you know, oh, if you've got a really big crate, that's probably more comfortable. You know, at least yeah. you've got like a lie flat situation yeah. going on rather than an economy. Yeah. But no, this dude did not look comfortable at all. <laughs> it was not a big crate. Anyway, anything more on our... our, our, our? Early 20th century friends shipping their children? No, but uh, speaking of mailing things that contain protein, RX Bar, our first sponsor. We have a oh, sponsor. Wow. A real sponsor. Which <laughs> that was a solid transition. Which will, Did you really like describe humans as containing a lot of protein and that's how you're transitioning to... <laughs> a lot of protein. Humans have an amazing amount of protein and we need a lot of protein, which is where... <laughs> but don't get it from humans. Get it from RX no, Bar is the message you're saying. <laughs> Which does not contain human protein of any sort whatsoever. And in fact, they actually are all about their natural ingredients. Uh, this is uh, something if you look, even look on their ingredients, which a lot of people, I don't know, did you know this? Like the ingredients on labels are in the order of the most prominent in the thing. I did. And you know why? Because I looked up why agua or like water. Is it, do you, do you write, we write aqua or agua or whatever it is mm -hmm. instead of water is the number one ingredient on a lot of stuff. Uh -huh. And I was like, why do they always list that as number one? It's like the most boring, yeah. obvious ingredients. And it's, ah, and it's, I looked it up because it's the most common in ingredient. everything pretty much. Like even like if you just take like some chicken or something, I mean, it's mostly water. If you ever let them dry out, you know, like, you know, shrinks down to almost nothing. And Well, you buy the cheap chicken in the supermarket, mm -hmm. right? And you put it in a pan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like, oh, what happened yeah. to all my chicken? Yeah, yeah. but uh, but yeah, on their ingredients, they do. It's just like, uh, so instance, I got this coconut chocolate here, and it's just like dates, egg whites, almonds, cashews, chocolate, natural flavors, sea salt, coconut, and note there the natural flavors instead of the um, artificial, which was kind of their whole point. So uh, I don't know if people know, like this, that's kind of a shady industry, a lot of the nutrition stuff. And so this was kind of their their impetus for creation back in 2013 was just to get around this whole problem because all the protein bars had like random filler and stuff like uh you know artificial flavorings and a lot of stuff that please don't say humans. no 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 humans <laughs> although apparently like sawdust is a thing like an actual thing in protein bars and protein shakes that they use for, oh, yeah just random stuff like that just to like bulk yeah it just exactly make it seem so you get heavier and then you can kind of fudge the numbers a little bit sometimes on like the protein whether it's actual protein and because it's a really unregulated industry you know so uh you know 
they, a lot of companies. And also, if you're an idiot like me, you go to like the, the store and it's like, oh, yeah. there's a protein bar with like 120 yeah. grams or a protein bar with 100 grams and they're the same price. I mean, like, mm, that one's got exactly. 120 grams in it. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so anyways, that was the, the point of RX Bar getting their start in the first place was to make something all natural and actually included, you know, like real ingredients and not like, you know, sawdust as the first ingredient. Surely they'd write it like, you know, uh, naturally sourced starch compound or something. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, totally. But if you see that on your protein yeah. bars, don't get those. Get our X bar. But yeah, no, this this was good because not only is this good for our show because it's getting really expensive, but uh, it's also good. As we met... Oh, wait, we teased this yeah. last week, didn't we? Yeah. Like about how expensive the show was. It's like, stay tuned for next week's episode for a for sponsor. A sponsor, that's good, because it's not only good, but then, uh, you know, protein barns are good, because, I don't know, another quick fact for people who don't know, if you're working out, weightlifting or whatever, or especially if you're trying to lose weight, so a lot of people, when they lose weight, they'll like... Um, They'll just cut back their calories, like in general, and mostly they'll eat a lot of carbs because that's just what's delicious, carbs and fats, and they don't really take a lot of protein. But the problem problem is you will lose weight, I guess, a little faster in some sense, but you're not just losing fat, you're losing muscle, which is a big problem because um, then when you're down, then you try to, okay, now I'm going to go back to eating my maintenance, but now your maintenance is way less because you've lost a lot of muscle. And now you get that, like, you know, like that skinny fat look thing. You know, you've probably seen like people who like, there's... Their weight don't weigh a lot, but they don't, they have very little muscle mass and it just, you know, it's not a good look and they, you still see the kind of fat, even though they don't have much fat type of thing. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. As you know, I've been sort of like been into the fitness nut thing for a couple of years now. So anyways, but the point being, people don't know that you should actually eat roughly around 0.8 to one gram of protein per pound of um, weight of your Mm -hmm. weight into, or I should say maybe lean mass, but for, um, you know, so like if you if you're like a six foot guy, you should, you know, probably about 160 grams of protein, 170 grams of protein a day. And that is really hard to do without protein shakes and protein bars, unless you just really, really, really like chicken. I like chicken. It's all, it's all right. <laughs> but I don't eat it. Yeah, but day. a lot of because a lot of the other protein sources, of course, have a lot of fat and stuff. And so then you're just probably going to eat a lot of extra calories that you don't need. And so that is mm-hmm. where RX bar comes in. Also. Definitely more convenient to have a bar rather than like, oh, I need to cook yeah. chicken again. Yeah. Or when you're when like, you're out and about and stuff and uh, for a quick snack and all that. Yeah, you can't take your George Foreman and some chicken breasts and be like, at the library, I'm just going to whip up some chicken. I don't know why I use the library as an example. <laughs> Who the hell goes to libraries? <laughs> it's true. I don't think that's much of a... I don't know. Libraries do have cool events now. Do you have cool events in like libraries in your, in your end of the woods? No, honestly, I thought of libraries because I'm at my office mm-hmm. and before I had an office, I used to work in this cool... It was like this awesome academic library for the students in Prague Mm -hmm. and it was like six pounds a year Mm -hmm. equivalent to be almost like eight bucks to be a member Mm -hmm. and you could go use it for free all the time Mm -hmm. and it had ridiculously fast internet super nice environment so Mm -hmm. yeah and I used to have lunch there but I couldn't whip up chicken (laughs) I'd have to have nowadays I'd have RX bar yeah well you could have an RX bar and if you'd used our promo code you could get uh, you get 25% off your first order at rxbar.com forward slash brain food um, and then enter the enter the promo code brain food at checkout. That sounds pretty good. I I I know they sent you the RX yes. bar. I want to get myself some RX bar. I know that that do they only ship to the US right now? Because I think I'm going to get them to send you some, and then you're going to send them over to me. Yeah, you should definitely try them. I would. I uh, could see my uh, favorite was actually the coconut chocolate. Uh, if people care, they actually have 14 different flavors. Um, so I don't know. Uh, want to ramble? You want to read them off real quick? Oh, dude, no, no, no. We don't need to. No. All I need, well, I guess we actually do need to because it's probably a requirement, but all I need is that peanut butter chocolate and coffee chocolate. Uh-huh. Both of those, 
that's what I need. But for those who are interested in other flavors, because you're not Simon, there's mango pineapple. I'm going to pass on that one personally. Chocolate hazelnut. Oh, yeah. Peanut butter and berries, chocolate sea salt, chocolate coconut, mixed berry, blueberry, maple sea salt, apple cinnamon, mint chocolate, chocolate chip, peanut butter, peanut butter, chocolate, and coffee, chocolate, and seasonal flavors. Yes, and for, Dude. if anyone's wondering, uh, my vote because uh, I have actually tried almost all of them, would be the chocolate sea salt, the coconut chocolate, or um, anything with peanut butter. They're, they're all good. Oh, yeah. Okay. You can't really go wrong with peanut butter, so, you know. I, I feel you can't. It's, it's just too good. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't ruin it. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is, uh, what was that? I'll just I give them another rxbar.com forward slash brain food. Enter the promo code brain food. Yeah. 25% off. Yeah. Thanks, rxbar. Whole food protein bars with simple, real ingredients. That was good, man. You're getting professional at this <laughs> stuff. Should we leave this behind to move on to our main content for today's episode? The Savile Row Taylors, Birkenhead? Not really. They did horrible things. This does involve a lot of protein and dealing with protein as well. Um, from uh, a medical... Please stop with the human references. Rx Bar are not going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Carry on. Uh, yes. So, uh, Birkin here. So, in the, uh, I don't know uh, if people are aware, but in the, in a lot of modern history, particularly, and uh, in the subject of today, the 19th century, it was really hard to train surgeons and even just to, you know, I mean, like if you're a surgeon, you need to practice on human bodies or something reasonably close to a human body. And so, uh, and, and this was, this was a problem because they couldn't really get bodies. It wasn't like the one, the one way they could get bodies legally was to get it from executed convicts. This was sort of a part of the punishment was to, um, so you knew not only were you going to get executed, but your body oh. was going to get dissected. And, uh, so this was a, and this was great because they used to execute people for random stuff all the time. Like even small stuff. Well, what was the problem? Weren't there like tons of bodies? People died left and right in the old yeah, days. Yeah. But I suppose if you're dying of random diseases, they might not want to be dissecting you you know you wouldn't want to be that no, person true. uh but no it actually what did he die of a horrible or, or I, should, I should also point out that no it was actually illegal to do that as well uh there was there was laws against ah. this uh, around this time even if you donated your yeah you body. could not donate your body at this point it was it was illegal only executed oh. convicts and uh, there was various religious reasons and stuff for why it was just not considered morally correct to dissect a body uh, yes. and so surgeons this was society back in yeah the day. and surgeons at this time i mean it was not like today like oh a doctor you know like at that point it was like oh a doctor you avoid them at all costs like unless you absolutely have to go then you go and surgeons were more like barbers he, right yeah, yeah barbers were actually that was a thing yeah totally uh for minor mm-hmm. surgeries and stuff like that and so yeah and particularly a surgeon you know you go to them you you're not having painkillers so this was these were people to be avoided and they weren't uh, you know Anyways, back to the the point of this is they couldn't get bodies and uh, so they had the executed convicts. But then as laws started to become a little more humane and less drastic, uh, there was a lot less executions going on. And so then there was a huge problem here of like surgeons needed to train on people, but there was no no bodies to train on or even just general anatomy, just looking at anatomy and looking, you know, where things are in the human body and stuff. So I love that you've described this in the notes as a huge shortage of human bodies, (laughs) like highlighted as a major problem. And it's like, surely in any other context, this would be bizarre. Yeah. But it's like, oh no, yeah. I mean, this, this tons of dead people, just not dead people, the surgeons and the doctors that uh, the students, mm-hmm. medical students could use. And so to get around the problem, there was there was this sort of like this black market of, uh, you know, they were called resurrectionists and body snatchers. And so they would basically go and, and right after a person was buried, because this the students and stuff, they needed a fresh body, uh, they would 
they would kind of sneak in, redig up the body, take the body out if there was any valuables and stuff. Of course, they would take those and then they would take the body over, you know, in the middle of the night and kind of the back alley type thing. And like, here's the body at the medical school and they they pay for it. No questions asked. This was just kind of a... It's like all parts of the buffalo, right? Yeah. Steal the jewelry, yeah. sell the body. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was actually uh, like became such a thing that it wasn't unheard of at all to have where your relatives and stuff and your loved ones would actually stand guard over your, over your you know, grave for at least a few days until your body would have, you know, uh, decomposed enough where the where the body snatchers wouldn't want it anymore um, to go take it. If I was the relatives, I'd be like, I'd just sell direct. Yeah, yeah right. Cut out the I'm middle. Sure, I'm sure people did that. But yeah, so this this was a, a, a thing. And this actually a little side note. So relatively recently, I don't know, a few years back, I think it was. So that there was kind of a news story of Ben Franklin, all the bodies found in Ben Franklin's home, like in the basement of his home, the skeleton oh, remains. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was actually as he was uh, for a time, he lived in London on 36 Craven Street. And uh, yeah, so they discovered a lot of bones in his basement. And they're like, what, what's this about? And so they kind of, you know, the historical societies dug into it. And it looks like uh, it was actually anatomist William Hewson. He let set up an anatomy school there. And this was exactly how he presumably got these bodies because um, some of them were like children and stuff. And so it was uh, definitely not probably convicted, you know, executed people. And so, yeah, yeah. but, uh, and that guy, uh, if you didn't know, William Hewson was the first person to describe clearly the three components of blood, red blood cells, white blood cells, and plasma. So that was some of his yeah. work. And he actually did a lot of other cool stuff until he died, uh, ironically, of a bloodborne illness, probably picked up from one of the bodies he was working on. Right. Uh, I was going to say, it's like ironic, but also he worked with yeah, blood. And without <laughs> probably a lot of knowledge of, you know, some of the risks of when, when he was doing it. So. <laughs> like without a solid knowledge of bloodborne diseases. Yeah, but, um, well, I, if you want to learn more about this, we actually got a Today I Found Out video on it. And I think on our YouTube channel, I think this is one of the best clickbaity titles yeah. we've ever had in terms of like, it's you super want to click on it, but then it totally delivers. And it's like Ben Franklin and the basements in it, uh, the bodies in his basement yeah, or yeah, something. something like it's that. Yeah. yeah, that was good. And um, so, yeah, so this, this, these people and um, illegally selling bodies to medical professionals, it was a thing. And this brings us to William Burke and William Hare, uh, who decided... <laughs> They kind of took it to the next step and said, let's just skip the waiting stage. Why do you need to wait for them to die? You know, I don't know. The law. Yeah, this just takes a lot longer that way. So let's let's cut out the, the middleman there. So from from November of 1827 to October of 1828, they went on quite the killing spree, um, providing a steady stream of bodies to a Dr. Robert Knox. He was a private lecturer at an anatomy or at a university, and uh, he taught anatomy, of course. So Birkin here, they actually didn't start out as you I mean, they pretty normal like the law-abiding citizens seems like you know kind of lower class but nothing you know not like criminal records or anything like that up until this point um, Burke was actually he was in the military so as a servant to an officer um, you know and uh, Hare was a Union Canal laborer they were both Irish and found their way into Scotland where they met when um, Burke actually came to lodge at uh, Hare had a uh, lodging house which he just rented out rooms at and so yeah Burke decided to come live there and um yeah, it was at this at this lodging house that they, their little thing started. Their crime spree it started pretty innocently enough. They didn't. Um, so in the very beginning, it was just this this old guy named Donald. Apparently, I don't know what his last name was, but uh, mm-hmm. he owed Hare four pounds uh, in rent, and then he went and died. And Hare was like, "Well, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> how am I going to get this money back?" Well, when they when they sent the coffin over to put the body in, he they just put some some sod or what were they uh, bark bark. Bark oh. and steel into the the coffin, so it would weigh appropriately. And then they took the body out uh, and uh, decided they eventually got keyed in to go to Robert, Doctor Robert Knox. And uh, yeah, 
Wait, did they put steel in there or is that they stole the oh, body? Yes. Because you spelt steel like to steal. <laughs> yeah, that is. So I don't think they actually put like the metal steel you in are there. Correct. Be like, it was Mark. Also, this was the beginning of the 20th century was steel. Yeah, no, uh, yeah I'm sure yeah, it was. A, steel was a yeah, thing Yeah, but uh, speaking of bark, which is just kind of sawdusty and protein. So it's all it's yep. all coming back. So yeah, they took him out. Uh, they got uh, to Dr. Knox's assistance uh, at night. <laughs> they came out and they looked at the body and they said, all right, we'll give you seven uh-huh. pounds, 10 shillings. And I want to know, like, how did they come up with that exact like 10 shillings? Like, it seems a little odd, doesn't it? Like not eight pounds. You know, just why 10 shillings? Maybe they just did it by the pound. Yeah, something. Uh, so anyways, uh, maybe because he was old or something. I don't know. Maybe it was less valuable. So yeah. they, they got more for some later bodies. But uh, so, yeah, that's actually for reference for people. That's about 730 pounds today or around $950. So a nice little haul. Oh, wow. So this Donald, when he died, he owed the man quite a lot of money. Like Yeah, yeah, he owed it. Yeah, exactly. So that so and they almost got double the money for his body. And this this got him. Mm-hmm. They go back and uh, apparently at some point. They, you know, got the wheels turning in their heads. They were like, hey, wait a minute. Why don't, why don't we just, whenever you, whenever we have sick tenants who might die, we'll just, we'll just take, take care of it. And, uh, and then we'll make some money on the side. That's quite a jump from <laughs> yeah. like, this guy died. He owed us money. Let's sell the body to, hmm, we could kill yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> we're sick. That was their rationale at first. Uh, they escalated from there, but at first it was, they had to be sick, you know? And so this, uh, Joseph the Miller was their next victim and he was he, he got sick and he was quite sick and in a lot of pain and they were convinced he was going to die whether he was actually going to die who knows uh but they thought they'll just mm-hmm. put him out of his mi- oh so it was kind of like a we'll put him out of yeah. It. yeah okay like a put him out of yeah his he's, in, he's of suffering and while he's here at least we can just you know make some money off this so they 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 mm-hmm. put him out of his misery and then uh yeah it's, uh, uh they did so at least uh, so they wanted to do it in such a way that um that it didn't no violence on the body because obviously if the doctor's you know, or their assistants buying something for someone who's clearly been murdered. Uh, they're going to be like, uh, <laughs> like we normally, we do need bodies, but maybe this is taking it a little far. The old Hippocratic oath. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they didn't want to leave any mark of violence on him. So they got him really drunk. And then they just, uh, one of them, uh, one of them would pinch his nose, hold his mouth shut. And then uh, when he's passed out, of course, and then the other would oh, lay well, like, pass yeah, out yeah exactly. This was, this was their method. As you'll see, uh, this, they used this same formula over and over again, get him pass out drunk, uh, with free alcohol and then just, uh, you know, pinch their nose, you smother him basically. And then the other one lays on the body so they can't struggle or anything or jerk around. And then, yeah, that, that, that was that mm. no and no no sign of violence and it just appears that the person the person was already ill or or drunk and so maybe they just got overly drunk and died um so this was they did they went and sold sold that body and then you know they they had a string of really healthy tenants at the thing so they were like um that's unfortunate yeah totally so they they got a little impatient and decided to simply start you know murdering people this all happens within, I mean, yeah, this, this is the beginning of the story. And we know this all happened within the course of about a year, yeah, so, right? The whole yeah, it was like that escalated quickly. So this escalated real <laughs> yeah. fast. Yeah. Like you say, they, did, they, had a, they had a string of healthy tenants for a while, like a weekend, and then yeah. they moved straight on to murder. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they just decided, we're, we'll start luring people in. And they wanted to lure people in that were uh, first people who were just you know, like basically they wanted people who looked like they were die of natural causes, so like old people or people that just people wouldn't really miss. Mm-hmm. Or if they turned up missing, maybe people weren't too surprised, like prostitutes and things like this uh, at the time. So so this is this is what they were going with. And uh, yeah, so the the 
subsequent, we actually have a lot of data from the various stories from the from the main characters who who wrote about uh, what they did. But there are um, some conflicting mm-hmm. accounts, so so the exact details are going to vary depending on the telling. But the the general the general gist of what happened next is uh, next up, their next victim was a woman by the name of Abigail Simpson. And uh, yes, yeah, she was an old woman who uh, who just uh, came to the, the lodging house and uh, she was originally supposed to go home that night. She had come to Edinburgh to collect her pension money. She was supposed to go home, but they got her really drunk and then they uh, they were going to kill her. But then it was uh, on this one. They actually got really drunk themselves at the same time. So maybe at this point they were still a little morally conflicted, perhaps. Or they just like drinking. Yeah, it I mean. could be. And uh, and they and they also just slept through the night. And then the next morning she woke, and then she was about to leave. And so they decided to offer her more alcohol, to because she had a, a hangover. And uh, so she they got her really drunk again. And then yeah, they they killed her and then um, smothered her. Same way they just kind of have the same smothering thing. And then this time actually, Doctor Knox himself inspected the body, and he gave him ten pounds for it. It's interesting, like, as we go through, we'll see how successful they were with this method of getting people pass out drunk. Yeah. It's like, if I'm staying in someone's, like, random lodging house, maybe this is, like, a 21st mm-hmm. century thing. It's like, I like drinking, I definitely drink, but getting pass out uh-huh. drunk is a serious achievement. Uh, yeah. That, like, yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever been pass out drunk. And, like, I've drunk plenty. Yeah. Like, this is really, like, just getting... Like the amount of success they have with this is quite quite yeah. something. Like the number of people they find who yeah. are just willing to randomly for, get passed out drunk. Free alcohol, apparently, and so <laughs> I guess yeah. The uh, the next person, but there's definitely diminishing returns on that alcohol. Like the first free beer is fantastic, yeah. but by ten you're like you couldn't pay me to drink that. But yeah, the uh, so the next victim was an unnamed Englishman. Uh, this one, and he was a match salesman apparently, and also came to the lodging house. And uh, yeah, so to quote Burke on this one, they. Put him out of his misery. Yeah. And sold his body. That's that's becoming a pretty good... You yeah. know, oh no, did he cough? Let's put him out of his misery. <laughs> He's like, we're doing him a favor. He should, you know, he should be wow, that us. toe looks a bit funny. You got an ingrown <laughs> toe now there. Gotta put him yeah. out of his misery. <laughs> yeah, so the next one was an unnamed old woman. And uh, yeah, she was... This one was actually lured by Hare's wife, Margaret, uh, who um, she later... They oh. supposedly... She claimed she had no knowledge of what he was up to, but... Uh, yeah, how do we know she was... Because she claimed she didn't know anything about what her husband were do- was doing. However, uh, you know, she did lure the woman in and got her very drunk and then just so happened to send for Burke and her husband and then left them alone with the passed out woman. So, yeah, she probably knew what was going on. She knows what's up. Yeah, and so then after that one was one Mary Patterson on April 9th, 1828. And she, Patterson was an 18-year-old, and her friend, actually, um, Janet Brown, they were both prostitutes, and they were well-known around town. They decided to go to breakfast at Burke's brother's house, and then uh, they got Patterson really drunk, and then she passed out. And breakfast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What's going well, on in this to be like, care- 19th century? To be fair, she's, you know, a prostitute. She probably, that might be her dinner, you know, um, for for whatever <laughs> yeah but yeah so brown actually she held her liquor she did not pass out and then so burke and then invited her to a tavern to get her more drunk and she still didn't become the pass out drunk and so then he invited her back to his brother's wow. house for more drinks uh but then uh but then this is where uh burke's mistress helen mcdougall comes in and she shows up and she sees burke has has a couple prostitutes in the house and she's you know she got upset 
And so she, she, mm-hmm. I mean, understandably. Yeah. Uh, so she, they, Bert kicked her out, but then she, she was. They come home like after breakfast. Yeah. He comes home from a tavern at some point after breakfast, yeah. super drunk and with two hookers. Yeah. Probably not going to please his missus. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so they, they kick her out, uh, Helen out. And, uh, but then she's screaming uh-huh. at the house from outside. And so Brown just decides she's going to oh, leave. Right. But she leaves Patterson there, uh, you know, passed out drunk. And uh, but uh, this was good for Brown because because this this uh, little argument saved her life. Uh, but Patterson was not yeah. not so lucky. She was murdered and sold to Dr. Knox. And um, yeah, this and Brown, of course, was like, well, where'd my friend go? You know, she came back later and was like, where is she? And they were like, ah, she left. She'll she'll probably come back later. And um, and so she was like, all right, I'll wait for her then. I'm going to wait for her here. And this is obviously not the safest thing, but she doesn't know this. Yeah, careful. Yeah, but luckily for her, once again, uh, her landlady uh, was concerned about the fact that Patterson was missing and that, that she was hanging out at the place she was, you know, Patterson went missing at. And so sent a servant mm-hmm. to go grab Brown and get her, you know, to leave just in case. And so, yeah, um, that that was that for Brown lived. And she continued to ask around town what happened to Patterson. And despite the fact that a lot of the students reportedly actually recognized when they were dissecting Patterson, they they had previously hired her uh, and they they uh, they were like they knew who she was, but they did not they did not reveal to anyone, you know, what had happened to Patterson um, at this uh-huh. point. So, yeah, <laughs> just matter of curiosity. This is so detailed. What's the like? And this was so long ago. What's the source on this? Oh, oh yeah, no, the the, the sources. The, uh, one of the primary sources uh, ends up being Burke himself, who this was after he was convicted and everything. So he he, he didn't really have a lot of reason to lie at this point because he was already sentenced to death. Um, now he does appear to have lied. Of course, spoiler yeah, alert. <laughs> yeah, uh, he does appear to have lied, of course, about his his wife's involvement. Um, so uh, he says she was not involved at all, and you know all evidence seemingly to the contrary. Um, but. Uh, mm-hmm. But other than that, he he doesn't. She does doesn't know where's this large amount of money yeah. coming. Where are these yeah, people? The, Why are they coming in? And yeah, never these leaving? people. I'm helping you lure in. What, you know. Uh, so yeah. So this was this is a lot of this. A lot of the detail actually comes from from his. Now there was, of course, like I said, some conflicting accounts from the different people involved. But Burke is probably the one. He has no reason to lie at this point. He's he's already convicted. He's already going to die. He knows this. So uh, the others still had reason to lie, as we'll get into. Um, in a bit. So, um, but yeah, so the next up was a woman named Effie and uh, she was a beggar woman who actually at one point Burke uh, worked as a cobbler. And so she used to to sell him like little scraps of leather and things. And so, yeah, she offered to sell him some scraps of leather at this point. And yeah, he lured her in and uh, with some, with some free alcohol and then murdered her. He just can't help himself. And then uh, next, this one was kind of funny. Uh, Well, funny in darkly way. Uh, This woman was already drunk, so they they didn't even have to waste money on alcohol because they and she was in the process of being arrested, actually. And the police were taking her to jail when Bert comes up and tells the police officer he knows who she is and he's going to take her home. What police officer? That is brazen. Yeah. Yeah. And the police officer. Oh, yeah, sure. Random dude. Here's this drunk woman. Take her home. Like, seriously? Well, no, I can see that happening. Like, imagine, so imagine it's present day and the police like are going around London and there's some drunk person on the street who's probably been out and they've just lost their friends. And it's like, all right, you're coming with me. Like, I can't leave you wandering around on the streets causing trouble. So I'm just going to put you in the, you know, the drunk tank for the night. No charges or anything. Just let them go tomorrow morning. And then someone comes up and be like... Yeah, that's my mate. Yeah. Uh, he's he he's just you know a bit of trouble. Yeah. Can I uh, let me just take yeah. him? And the police officer be like, "All right, go on then." I can imagine yeah, that. But, but when it's yeah. a woman, 
and it's a random dude. Yes, yeah, maybe not. Uh, but yeah, so they did, and they murdered. It's like, wow, it's like, what are you going to do with her? Take her home and put her to bed. That doesn't sound rapey <laughs> yeah. at all. Seriously. And so, yeah, they, uh, instead they murdered her and uh, sold her once again. And then, yeah, uh, and the old and the next one, an old woman and her deaf grandson in June of 1828. Uh, they, oh, man, it's like, what's going on? <laughs> it's like, well, we we went from like, oh, he, he, he was dead. He was yeah. sick. Now random just random. People, people with people with difficulties. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And this one, actually, this one... Next, it would be like, well, there was a deaf nun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, well, this one, they were actually trying to lure an old man to their home, uh, to the thing with free whiskey, and he was going. And then they encountered the old woman who asked for directions, and they had, you know, two two for the price of one, I suppose, was maybe their thinking. I don't know. Uh, Burks for directions, and they said, sure, I'll not only give you directions, I will take you where you need to go. But before that, why don't you come in for some free whiskey, uh, is basically what they did. And the, uh, and the old man left and um, peeved at it losing his free whiskey. And then they, yeah, I, I, they they probably actually thought the the woman would be easier so, to subdue, perhaps because this was in some of their other other dealings. They were also kind of looking at how easy the person would be to subdue, and so maybe the old woman seemed easier or whatever. Um, so maybe that's why they they switched targets um, because they they Makes did a, a later debate whether they should kill the kid. Um, so so they had uh, Margaret and Helen were entertaining the kid in another room while they while they killed her grandmother or his grandmother. And uh, yeah, so they were debating. And then, then then though, they thought, well, but if we let him go, he's going to know where his grandmother was, you know, before she disappeared. So they should not. And so they killed him. And uh, but they couldn't, um, you know, they, they couldn't get him to drink anything. Um, I said maybe he was too young or whatever. But so they instead they actually this one was their first where they actually didn't do the smothering thing. They broke his back instead and then sold the bodies um, and got 16 pounds. Yeah, they they really going going up in the world with their with their murderings uh-huh um and also who draws the line at like well we will murder people but we won't give a child alcohol yeah, yeah. well I, I think they like, couldn't get the kid to drink uh basically get him drink uh so uh yeah they uh yeah then there was a mrs osler similar um in this one and next one Anne mcdougall was actually helen mcdougall you know burke's mistress that we mentioned before that was her relative and Burke Burke actually oh. says he did not take part in this one because uh, it was he was Anne was a friend. Okay, wait, but they killed they, him anyway. They killed, they killed her, her anyway. anyway. Yeah, but she was a relative of of his mistress. So oh, well, he just got the other dude to do it. Yeah, he just got the other guy to do it. Again, who draws the moral yeah. line there? It's like I'm not going to kill her myself, but yo, mate, go next door and knock yeah, her so off. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, no, you're still responsible. Yeah, totally. And then uh, yeah, then there's. Um, uh, Mary Halden, she was uh, also a prostitute and, uh, yeah, smothered her. And then uh, Peggy Halden, and she was actually Mary's daughter. Oh, she was Mary, if you notice the same last name, she was Mary's daughter. And she learned that's where her mother had gone. And so she went there and they first denied they, that she had ever been there. They were like, we don't serve prostitutes here. Uh, and so they uh, they said they wasn't there, but then uh, they invited her in for a drink and killed her. And then, <laughs> yeah, it just keeps going. Uh, James Wilson... Uh, he was a 18 year old mentally disabled person, and this one was a little bit. Oh no, they did. Yeah, have... Come yeah on. and this this guy was known around town. You know, he would just stay, he would stay out whoever would take him in, kind of thing. And he was known for his kind hearted disposition, and he would like to entertain the children in the streets. Was kind of his thing, and yeah, and so they, uh, yeah, they they basically lured him in, and then they couldn't get him to drink much. So, but they decided 
to kill him anyways. And uh, this one, because he wasn't drunk and, and actually, you know, could struggle. And uh, he did, for a time, win in the wrestling match and actually managed to pin Burke down after they tried to kill him. But mm-hmm. then, you know, two against one, he eventually, he lost. And they smothered him. And then, uh, yeah... So uh, his mother actually started asking around town what had happened to him. And this was a problem for Dr. Knox because he knew exactly what had happened to him. And so did some of his students uh, started uh, recognized him. So what he did is then cut off the head and also kind of uh, dissected the face so it wouldn't be recognizable. And then he also cut off the feet because one of the feet, he had a deformed foot and everyone around town knew that. So this way, if the police did come knocking, they could at least not identify the body. And this is a little, this is hard to think, well, wait a minute, Dr. Knox. Do you actually know what's going on here? Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, I mean, how, you've got to be suspicious of something. Yeah, for, yeah, exactly. If not, by yeah, now. at least suspicious. Like, yeah, they get bodies from all over and people who die all the time of random stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. like the same people and these same, I don't know, starting mm-hmm. to get a little sketchy. And so this, this brings us to their final murder, finally. I feel, I feel this point of the story is like the final person they kidnap is Liam Neeson. <laughs> and, <laughs> He kills everyone and their families and anyone involved and disappears into the night. (laughs) But sadly, no, no. But uh, so at this point, Burke is actually no longer living in Hare's lodging house. And this is actually it seems to be that at some point Hare suggested that they just kill Burke's mistress, Helen McDougall, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not really clear why. And then very Mm -hmm. shortly after this, Burke and McDougall move out of Hare's uh, abode. Yes. After the suggestion of killing his mistress. Wait, so why are we calling her a mistress? He's married. I should, did I not mention that at the beginning? You did not okay, mention so he that. Had, Wait, maybe no, you did I, I think that. I did might have mentioned it. So he, was, uh, he has a wife and two kids in Ireland, but she did not want... Yeah, she did not want to move to Scotland. <laughs> and so he just he just left her you know, behind. And, you know, he's still married, though. Oh, and never got divorced No, he just... Stuff, so. I mean, he might have even been oh. sending money back with his, you know, work. That was a thing people did. With his work. Yeah. <laughs> his work. I'm doing the air quotes so hard <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> so yeah, so they moved out, and so uh, and, and it's thought, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they continued their scheme, so at least it didn't damage their friendship, I guess maybe. Uh, but uh, so now, so c- coming back, <laughs> what is, hey man, how about we kill your mistress? <laughs> It's like, no, no, what? No. Yeah. I feel that would be damaging to our yeah, friendship, but would be. at least they kept their business maybe, relationship yeah. together. <laughs> Again, business yeah, keep their priorities straight. So this this brings us to the last murder. It was a Mary Doherty and uh, and sometimes called Mary Campbell for some reason. Uh, she was, she was mm-hmm. uh, lured into Burke's new lodging house. Uh, and uh, he so he basically, he learned her last name. They both had really thick Irish accents. And he was like, hey. My my mother was a Doherty. We're probably relatives. Why don't you come on and we'll drink and all that. Um, but the problem was when they get back to the lodging house, there's other lodgers there uh, by the name of James and Anne Gray. And they they uh, they eventually convince them to Gray's to leave and go stay at Hare's lodging house uh, for a time. So and mm-hmm. then he murders uh, Mary. Oh, so they both set up separate lodging yeah, houses. Yeah, and so then, but then... Burke and Hare, now they're split, yeah. separate, two separate Yeah, and houses. so, but then the next okay. day, Anne Gray comes back. She was uh, wanting to retrieve some stuff. The accounts are kind of conflicting on what she was looking for, but it seems her stockings, or others say bag of potatoes, but I, I feel like the stockings seems a little more reasonable. Like, why would you just come back for a random bag of potatoes? That seems weird. Yeah. Um, uh, that's that's also <laughs> right next to the bed, which was key here because the body was under the bed at the time and she she yeah. saw the body and then she they uh, her and her husband alerted the police um but before the police could get back um well one thing uh, helen this is another indicating that helen probably did know what was going on as well uh she offered uh, 10 pounds 
This is the mistress, yeah. right? Sorry, there are a lot of names Yeah, exactly. Today. Helen also seems to have known because she offered 10 pounds to basically to the greys to keep it quiet. They will give you 10 pounds a week if you just don't tell anyone about this body that you just saw. Uh, so... Based on the previous sums, that's like a thousand yeah, pounds. Uh, yeah, exactly. This is a lot of money. Oof. And uh, so, yeah, but they... Although they'll probably just kill her, right? Yeah. They'll be like, here's presumably. your 10 pounds a week. They'd yeah, totally. Because they would definitely yeah, kill her. Uh, and so they went to the police and the police came back. But before the police came back, Burke and Hare had already managed to move the body. So there was no, no body present. So no evidence of, mm-hmm. you know, anyone being murdered. Uh, the only thing they could, they could learn was that, um, they, well, they learned later, I should say, a witness observed uh, the Burke and Hare carrying a very large tea chest from the house shortly after mm-hmm. or before mm-hmm. the police arrived. Suspicious. Yeah. And the porter at Dr. Knox uh, also confirmed that around the same time they had brought in a, a very large tea chest. Uh, at, the, at the thing, so but the police at, at which point, at which point, Doctor Knox proclaimed, "What?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so really, yeah, at this point, when the police initially arrived, they didn't actually know about this part. So, but they did. This what seems suspicious to them. Well, one, the fact that someone had just accused them of murdering someone, but also when they asked, they they interviewed Burke uh, and Helen separately, and what they asked him, and they they had their story straight about when the Doherty Doherty left, but one of them said seven a.m. Uh-huh. And one said 7 p.m. And that's a pretty big oh, discrepancy. No. That's a big no. Yeah. And yeah. so the police were like, oh, okay, we're going to arrest you anyway, um, even though there's no body here. And then they eventually did, you know, did some, did some looking around and they did find the, the, the body at Dr. Knox's classroom. And so then, so the end, yeah, they became the story, you know, obviously gets around in the news. And then all of a sudden, a lot of other people come forward and be like, wait a minute. I knew someone who was, you know, uh, went to the Burke and Hares and then disappeared. Uh, and so this sort of kind of everything started snowballing. Yeah. And uh, but they didn't really have a lot of any real direct evidence. They just had people saying like, yeah, I think, you know, they were they were seen with, you know, Burke or Hare or whatever before. Um, and so they, they needed evidence. Circumstantial is what they yeah, call Yeah. And it, so right? they, there wasn't really. I've watched enough CSI. Yeah. To know that. So there wasn't really much to go on to like actually convict them of anything. Um, and mm-hmm. so uh, presumably, I'm guessing because Burke. Burke's lodging was the one that uh, that the body was supposedly the last one was at. The Lord Advocate uh, in charge there decided Burke must have been the leader of the two, even though it's uh, from the way it you know played out. It's probably more like Hare, if anybody, but maybe it was mutual. Who knows? But either way, he decided Burke must be the leader. So he went to Hare and he said, "All right, I'll give you full immunity if you just confess all the crimes and you know tell me and give me some evidence against Burke that he actually did this." I'd be, yeah. if, if I was if I was in their position, I'd be like, "Dude, hand me the paperwork." Yeah, like, can I sign? I mean, we're talking like, uh, you know, you don't want to be a snitch or whatever. But full immunity? How many people? Well, did and at he this kill? point in history, where you know, like, uh, even even if you're going to get hung and dissected, yeah, yourself. even if neither one of them had done anything, if you're hair and that you're offered that, you're like. Yeah, all right, Burke did it. It was all him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, well, well, why not confess at that point? You get off free either way. He's like, I've never heard of these bodies. What are you talking about? But sure, he yeah, did it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so Burke was like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sign that. And so, yeah, they did. He confessed. Um, and he also actually implicated Helen in this uh, as well. Uh, and so this was Burke's mistress, you know. Wait, he was the one who suggested that they kill her. Right? Yes. <laughs> and he seems like the ring. Yeah. And well, and it was at his lodging house in the first place. And he was the one who originally was owed money. So you got to think he was probably the first one who was like, hey, this guy owed me money anyway. He died. Let's take him in. And then later, you know, wow. whatever. Either way, Hare signs the deal. Burke then claimed, no, Helen had nothing to do. She, she knew nothing about any of this. 
Uh, and so, you know, and they didn't really have any evidence. So this was good for her that he was, he did that. Um, so yeah, they, she actually did get off, um, scot-free. Well, sort of, as we'll get into, uh, she didn't get convicted of any crimes is the point there. Um, Mm -hmm. and so Burke was subsequently executed via hanging. And as I said, he did write a full account of their, of their misdeeds. Uh, you know, so we have good detail. And at this point he had no reason to lie. So you can probably say it's, you know, reasonably accurate, uh, pending, you know, like, you know, human memory being awful as we always discuss. Yeah. Uh, it's also a way to make Hare's life a bit of a misery yeah. afterwards. Like, let's detail everything Hare did so he yeah. can really enjoy yeah. the rest of his life while the yeah. public despises yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, he did He did fully uh, confess to all the things he did as well. But yeah, he totally was like, yeah, here, he was in on all this and, you know, everything. So yeah, so um, uh, a little over a month later, after the conviction, January 28th, 1829, Burke was hanged. Um, and this was this is so weird. Like, back then, they actually would have, like, seats to executions. You know, like you could get really, really good yeah. seats, you know, like, hey, for the hanging and you had to pay a lot of money. And this one was particularly expensive because it was such a high profile, you know, like a serial killer type, the type case. And so did you do this in the States as well? I think this yeah. is quite a thing for a large portion of yeah, history. It's just like a thing to do, like public execution, yeah, go to the execution. It was a great, great, fun, great family fun. Um, and then, yeah, yeah throws. You did it in yeah, the US oh, yeah, as totally. well? You, you yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. That was, that was the thing. And um but yeah, apparently the seats were, were quite expensive here and the mob was quite unruly. And Burke actually, for his part, when he when he saw how unruly they were, he actually uh, ran, basically ran to the noose. It was like, yeah, hang me. I, presumably, oh, maybe he oh. thought the crowd was going to come rush and do stuff worse than hanging to him, perhaps. Uh, mm. So, yeah, so he, you know, he died. Uh, and then he was also dissected, uh, as we'll get into in a moment. But uh, so, yeah, he he... The, yeah. The, the, during the whole endeavor, they apparently made about 160 pounds for all the bodies, about 17,000 pounds today, or about $22,000 um, for for the whole thing. And um, yeah. I know that's a lot of money, but for a year's work yeah. split between two people, and that, just go get a job. Yeah. You're going to make like a, it's really hard not to, $11,000 well, a year. Well, but you know, back like, then when it was like you made nothing when you're just a general laborer, you like barely scraping by. Uh, but, that's true. You always, I always, yeah. you know, it's put in today's yeah, like, money, but then the economy works very differently. Yeah, like right definitely a lot of the stuff translates to today's money. But then when you were on that low, low class, it was like, yeah, I can afford bread. That's yeah. what I can get. Um, yeah. But yeah, so. I'm not going to say fair enough. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Hare actually was released from prison. He actually, he had to stay a little bit longer. They, they were supposed to just set him free. That was part of the deal, but you know, they, they wanted to try to find an excuse to keep him in, in prison. And so they, uh, they found a law that would, they could basically detain him until he could pay the cost of his prosecution. And so oh, this was like an cool. old law that they, and it took him two months to come up with the money to, to do that. And oh, then that's, yeah, that's it cool. didn't take long. Uh, so yeah, he, he was released. Well, yeah, he had all this money for yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was released and then uh, he he ended up a mob chased him to the King's Arms Inn. And uh, yeah, so the, the innkeepers allowed him to stay because they were the mob was going to stone him, basically. And uh, so they said he could stay the night and then, you know, basically until the crowd went home. Uh, and so once they left, they, he left and nobody really knows what happened to him after that. He just, you know, disappeared to somewhere in the world. I guess it is back yeah, in the day. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, uh, as for Helen McDougal, the, the mistress of Burke, uh, she was likewise, when she got released from prison, uh, almost immediately attacked by a mob and then the police had to rescue her. And then she went to England, at which point she was also attacked again by a mob and again, saved by the police. And then after that, it's thought she moved to Australia, but it isn't actually known where, what happened to her after that. 
God, it's weird. You can just disappear. Yeah. I, I guess you can still disappear. Today, yeah, but, but there's like, records, you know, like, of, you like just, someone knows what happened to you. But back then you could literally just disappear. Right. Today it'd be like, you've, you've got to have at least some yeah, paper trail. Like you've got to get like a false identity yeah. and stuff. Like I, I wouldn't know how to disappear. Yeah. Like back in the day, it'd be like, is this ship going to Australia? Here's some money. Yeah. Off you go. Done. New life, new identity. Yeah. New and, no, and no one, you know, the news maybe doesn't spread about that all that far. Um, yeah, sure. so, yeah, and uh, Margaret Hare also met by a mob, and uh, she both, actually in a couple places, in Glasgow and Greenock, and, uh, yeah, she fled to Ireland, and then, uh, yeah, again, what? who knows what happened to her next? Nobody knows. Um, Dr. Knox. Ah, Dr. Knox. He had to have been getting a little suspicious at some point, but, uh, you know, it was claimed that he didn't know anything about it. Burke said, Burke, Burke's actually said, Knox didn't know, any, we didn't tell him where we were getting the bodies. He didn't, he was no part of this, so... um and uh, yeah, this is one of the, I mean, Burke had no. Oh come on! Yeah, I mean, he like, had no yeah. reason to lie on. It's like he never. He, we never some told other him, stuff, but it, and that doesn't mean. Yeah, uh, on this stuff, Burke could have been lying just to protect the people left, you know. Um, so sure. yes, well, he was happily happy to string up uh, his the the other man's mistress for no reason. No, that was the other way around. That was like hair. He only had to test. That was hair. Burke. Burke was the one that was convicted. Oh, right. Yeah. No, Sorry. totally. Yeah, I got yeah. it. I got it. Yeah, and so and so yeah, the uh, Doctor Knox. Too yeah. many names. Uh, surgeons at this time, of course, teaching anatomy particularly, were not well thought of in the general public. They were kind of looked down upon a little bit, like, you know, immoral and stuff like that. So this did not help Dr. Knox's case. Mm-hmm. Um, he continued to teach, but a lot of people kept interrupting his lectures and, you know, crowds coming in and yelling at him and saying he should be, he should be you know, hanged as well. Um, and this this was actually not, not just for Dr. Knox. A lot of doctors, the anatomy people, had this problem when people would discover that they had been buying bodies and stuff it was just you know they they didn't they didn't there was actually a riot i can't remember there was a something the resurrectionist riot or something for this very reason it was a, just mobs going after the surgeons and stuff um uh yeah wow. this was i don't remember when that happened now off the top of my head but that was actually a thing at one point um so yeah so he is his home was also vandalized a bunch and then students it became a problem teaching all the people interrupting his class and stuff so students stopped wanting to take his classes uh, but he did, at least, he still had good line on acquiring new bodies. And so, you know, they didn't, that was, a, they were in short supply. So some students still would go on for a while, but then eventually that went away. And uh, uh, it, actually the passage of the Anatomy Act of 1832, which happened a little bit after this, partially uh, the change here was spurred by this, this Burke and Hare thing, uh, was basically they needed mm-hmm. to, they needed a legal way for for surgeons and stuff to get, a, to get bodies so they could get rid of the black market basically and stop this sort of thing from happening again. So that Anatomy Act was passed and then now you could donate bodies and stuff like that. And so then uh, there was actually legal means to, uh, to get bodies. So doctors stopped, you know, for the most part, at least uh, they, it wasn't really the need to do the the backstreet uh, deals anymore. So, good news. Yeah, good news. So Knox Knox no longer had that exclusive thing. So then, yeah, he kind of lost his primary source of income there, uh, and then he uh, eventually had to move to London and uh, actually took a job at a cancer hospital and uh, did various research there. But otherwise, um, yeah. And as for Burke's body, so we mentioned it was dissected as you, as they did to all the executed criminals, and that was at Edinburgh mm-hmm. Medical College, and this. This this was actually interesting because you can actually go there to their museum even to this day and you can see Burke's skeleton and his tan skin. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah no. it's there at the Edinburgh. You can go and yeah. see this or this is just for the students? I believe it's on display at the Edinburgh Medical College uh, in their museum section, so... I sense a gruesome demonetized YouTube yeah, video. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and uh, and even worse, uh, I don't think you can see this one, but the Police Information Center in Edinburgh actually apparently has a card case that's made out of Burke's skin. 
Do you reckon if we emailed them, we could go see that Maybe. and like make a yeah. video about it? I'm not sure I want to see that though. Interesting. Interesting. Edinburgh's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the professor, the professor Alexander Monroe, who dissected uh, the Burke's body. I don't know if, did I say that it was a public dissection, actually, which was a little weird? Uh, you didn't. I kind of imagined that it was. Yeah, this one. Was that No, I don't think so. This one, uh, people didn't really like the whole dissecting thing in general, but this one they wanted to see. People gathered to come see. And uh, uh, the professor Monroe actually took some of his blood and wrote uh, on a piece of paper. This is written with the blood of W.M. Burke, who was hanged at Edinburgh. This blood was taken from his head. Well, yeah. Wow. That, that sounds And what a weird thing to write. Like, why? why you... I get the first part, but I yeah. don't know. Weird. Uh, this blood was, that's why I gave it kind of this bizarre emphasis, because it is bizarre. Yeah, totally. And then, uh, so yeah, the, from all this, though, yeah, there was a various, you know, like uh, Burke and Hare was sort of like a... A thing you tell your children to like scare them type of story like to get into doing yeah. stuff and they also coined the word burking which was just a, that's just a term now that people might have heard of that just uh for smothering people if you smother someone murder them that way uh, it's called burking oh. yeah i've never had use for no, that in my day-to-day no, life no, but... haven't either um and and uh <laughs> speaking of coining words uh i'm glad you clarified that yeah. by the way yeah, me neither. Never had to, <laughs> not a thing. Never had to do any smothering. Never heard that but one. Next time I know, it's like, oh, by the way, you know what? This is cool. working. working. Well, you know, huh? you're standing around the water cooler at, at work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> People would be like, oh, okay, watch out <laughs> yeah. for that one. Yeah. So, so speaking of corning words, did you know there was one guy, his name is Diarmon Spears, and he attempted to raise his son, his first son, as a native speaker of Klingon. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, this Diarmon Spears, you might think this is a little weird and he must be like a ginormous Star Trek fan, but it turns uh-huh. out uh, not actually. He's just a really big fan of the Klingon language because he's a linguist and uh, with a PhD, no less. And it turns out this is actually a thing with um, a lot of the, the Klingon enthusiasts. There's only a, a few dozen people who are actually considered fluent in Klingon in the world. And then there's, you know, thousands more that are kind of semi-fluent. Um, and quite a, quite a lot of, especially the the really fluent ones, actually are linguists who really, it's not really Star Trek, it's just they're really into constructed languages like this. And this is a, you know, a culturally popular one. So, so this is, language. there's enough Klingon for it to be, for, for it to be like conversation. Yeah. What's the yeah, word I'm looking for? <laughs> Exactly. It, it is. It's a difficult one because you do have to make some stretches as we'll, as we'll talk about in a, in a, in a minute. But, um, uh-huh. but yeah, it, it is. And new words actually get added to it all the time, even though Star Trek isn't, they're not really like, um, I don't feel like in most of them they are, they're adding words in the actual shows, but there is actually a, a, a group that kind of puts together and adds words to the language and, it's and different stuff. Uh, uh, I would say probably, but um, it's more just like within the Klingon language. There's actually a Klingon language institute, which is um, uh, which is how how Doctor Spears got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they they kind of control the language and uh, and add stuff. And so yeah, they, it's a, it's a full language with all sorts of you know you can talk in it. And he thought I'm going to teach my son to see if he. So we have this constructed language. Can you make a child a native speaker of this constructive language if you if you just talked? cling on to them yeah. um and so this as a linguist though he is he was uh well well known uh he he knew well the risks of this so for instance uh um if you don't teach a kid uh, a proper language like a real language by the age yeah. of around five or so give or take a few years uh it turns out this actually will severely uh stunt the person's person's mental capacity and not just 
not just right now, but even later, if they're taught a language, they still don't, they still have learning disabilities and stuff and, and quite severe ones in some cases. This is actually why for most of history, deaf people were considered to be uh, mentally deficient, basically, because even when they would learn, you know, they, they just wouldn't learn it, like, or learn any language early in life until, you know, later you had complex sign languages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so they, they were actually mentally deficient because they didn't learn the language. It wasn't that they were native, like they were naturally that way. It was just, you know, they didn't have a language and your brain needs a language, particularly in those early development stages yeah. to basically drive thought and memory and abstract thought and stuff like that. This is actually one of the problems with people who don't learn the language, uh, language very early is abstract thought is they really struggle with, which is, you know, like, a thing you do all the time um, and to learn new things you, you kind of need that so it's it's basically giving you a way of it's more than just a language it's a way of thinking essentially it's almost it's almost yeah exactly like an operating system for your brain to sort of learn how to store memories and stuff like that and you need it and if you don't have it then you end up being very much like you know you just have problems with that even if even if they do teach you a language later um, wow. So you need, so you need that, and he was well aware of this. Obviously, um, he actually so he could did, just teach uh, him English as well, though, right? Exactly, and so this was his plan. His wife, his wife would teach, or his wife and other people would interact with him in English, um, and then he would speak Klingon, only Klingon, mm-hmm. to his son. Uh, this was sort of his plan. And interesting, a little aside here, something I'm working on right now. It's taking forever, but did you? I was wor- I was wondering. So everyone says kids learns lang- kids learn language faster than adults. Everyone says this, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I have a three-year-old and a, and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and, and I've been more and more thinking, no, this can't be true, right? And so I've been looking at actually the research that's out there, and it's very much looking like this is not true at all. Adults actually learn language way faster than kids. Yeah, I mean, how, how, how good does your three-year-old speak exactly, English? Exactly, exactly. Because I've been learning Czech for three years. Uh-huh. And, and I bet you speak Czech way better than she speaks <laughs> right. English. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you think like, even I'm also working a full time job. It's not like I'm yeah. thinking about like. <laughs> and you're you're not like fully immersed. I mean, you were fully immersed in some sense, but people speak English to you, so you don't. Yeah, no, I'm forced I'm, to. For someone who yeah. lives in this country, just because of the nature of what I do, I'm just in my office by myself the whole day, talking to you, writing emails mm-hmm. in English, presenting yeah. videos in English, reading scripts yeah. in English. It's it's all English, yeah. and this is a problem because I've got friends who work in Czech companies who've been, uh, you know, mm-hmm. who are who have a different first language, whether that be English or another, and they've learned Czech or have got much better Czech than me because they're just working mm-hmm. in Czech all day. They're surrounded yeah. by it. Exactly. And you also have, of course, the you also have the benefit of the pre-existing knowledge of language and structure and stuff like that. And so you can pick it up if someone's teaching you very mm-hmm. quickly. And if, if everyone around you is just like, nope, no longer English, we're only going to speak Czech to you, uh, you would you would advance so much quicker even then. Mm-hmm. Whereas the kids, I mean, even a five-year-old or a, maybe seven-year-old is when they start to become very proficient, you know, around, that's when they become sort of, you know, not experts even yet in the language, but at least, you know, reasonable experts. they couldn't somehow say. Yeah. And so imagine seven years, you're in that same sort of environment where no one speaks, but that one language and you're forced yeah. to, how quickly could you as an adult learn it? And it turns out at least, and it's limited research here and I'm, I'm still, I'm still researching this one. So maybe I'll come across some stuff that says different, but at least for right now, it does very much appear adults learn language way, way faster than kids, uh, contrary but to popular belief. What is interesting is how well because there are people I know who've been raised, you know, either were speaking two languages. There was one guy I know who spoke three languages uh, completely fluently. Mm-hmm. So like he was, I think he was French, but he also, or he was, he was from Belgium, I think. And mm-hmm. so he spoke Dutch and French, but his father, I think, was English or his mother was. 
No, his mother was American because when he spoke English, he sounded like an American. You just didn't That's know amazing. he that was not his thing. And then he was mm-hmm. like, "Oh no, I speak better. I speak better Dutch than I do English." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? You sound like a native speaker of English." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like so I, th- I but then if you learn a language later, like it's going to take I don't yeah. think there'll ever be a point where people don't know that I'm a foreigner. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, there is that you've been learning There is the accent thing, yeah, years. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the accent thing you do, but but to actually learn the nuts and bolts of the language and speak fluently, uh, adults seem to, at least so far, and it's hard to get like an apples to apples comparison. So there has actually been a very limited studies done on, okay, so if we put these five-year-olds and these, you know, adults in the same learning language class to learn a second language, do, mm-hmm. do the kids then learn it faster? And once again, this one is actually a little surprising. It appears the adults uh, learn faster again, but of course the adults have the advantage of the pre-existing knowledge this only seems surprising because we've been told exactly. forever that kids exactly. learn language faster. If we look at it objectively, if we didn't have that pre-existing knowledge, we'd be like, yeah. of course adults learn faster. We have like yeah. discipline and motivation. Yeah. And, and study and, habits and, and we've learned all this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If we looked yeah. at it any other way, we'd be like, of course, what are you stupid? Kids are a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, they take forever to learn a language. Um but yes, this this no, there does that doesn't mean that there there actually is quite a lot of benefits to teaching kids. Uh, you know, lots of studies shown teaching kids multiple languages early on there is benefits to their learning and stuff like that. But they, they're not learning it faster is the, is the main driving point, and that seems to be again. I'm not quite done with this one, but at least that seems to be from everything I've seen so far on the the, the limited studies that have been done. But yes, it is. I just thought that's what I was just thinking. I was like. This is taking forever for my kids to learn to speak. Uh, this can't be true. Um, but so then I started to look into it. So anyways, that's going to be a probably a podcast episode or a video at some point in the coming months because I thought it was fascinating. Um, but back back to to Dr. Spears and his son. So he's he's oh, yeah. aware How of all this. Yeah, the, the Klingon. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But he wants to see, you know, native speaking. Can I teach my son? He'll be the first native Klingon speaker. Um, yeah. And so he actually states of this. I was interested in the question of whether my son going through his first language acquisition process would acquire it like any human language. Yeah, so he goes on with this uh, this experiment and he had to he had to get creative like we said they don't um they don't have a lot of uh, a lot of words for a lot of things. So for instance, uh, the first Klingon word Alec picked up was uh, his son was named Alec. Uh, was I'm going to go with Hivja. Sure. Yeah. Why not? But probably it's like literally spoken really language. So we've yeah, probably got some flexibility here. Yeah, it's probably spoken with a lot like gutturally and like angry. Yeah, exactly. That's probably much better. And it means vessel. Yeah, you're welcome. And so, yeah. So he went with that one for um to it's mean bottle. The nerdiest so that thing was... I've ever done in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you'll have more. We got the if you want. We got the 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 Klingon Imperial anthem, which oh, was God. May the Empire endure and this was the bedtime lullaby he would sing to his son and uh, you can actually if you go online i'll include in the show notes uh, a link you can actually hear alex singing it as a, as a kid uh as his bedtime thing wow. um so yeah he had limitations but uh, spears spears noted i've been able to say almost everything i've needed to say to alec in klingon one of the reasons i find the klingon language so interesting is that because is that because the vocabulary and grammar is so limited you really have to figure out how you're going to say something for instance when i ask him to turn out the lights i say the klingon for make it dark no oh. okay so that's like so there's it, you, you can see why people still need to add stuff to this language yeah 
yeah, and stuff's getting added every year. There's like an official thing that, that uh, they do that. But um, so yeah, this went on for about three years. But uh, as you might imagine, um, you know, like this. Uh, well, I should say first off, during during the during the thing. So when they're out in public, so what is he doing? He's speaking Klingon to his little kid, and he would get a lot of funny looks from people. Yeah, and uh, so he would tell him, "I'm speaking Klingon," and then of course, then it turns into not just funny looks, but like dirty looks, like mm-hmm. you horrible father. But you know, yeah, he knew, he's a he's a professional linguist. He knew what he was doing. So um, yeah. so yes. Yeah, so later he said he switched to speaking a constructed language, is what he would say. And then of course probably confuses people because they're a constructed yeah. language. Right. What is that? This guy's um, clearly smarter than me. I should be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So uh, <laughs> so yeah. But um, Alec Alec didn't enjoy. Eventually he didn't enjoy the the, the difficulty in speaking Klingon over versus English. Um, and so this uh, Spears actually thought this was how the whole experiment would end, um, as he notes. There is going to come a time when he's going to stop making the effort to speak Klingon because it'll be easier for him to speak English. Yeah, and so and also the this make it Alec, dark thing is it doesn't yeah, sound yeah. easy, does it? No, yeah, and so he also he was the only one speaking Alec. Like he didn't show Alec Star Trek, which I don't know. That seemed like it would have been helpful to show him like the Klingon episodes and stuff, so then he could at least oh someone else speaks it. Um, so yeah, but he didn't, and so he was the only one. So about three years old, uh, Spears stated. He stopped listening to me when I spoke Klingon. It was clear that he didn't enjoy it, and I didn't want to make it into a problem, so I switched to English. Okay. Yeah, in the end, Alec just stopped speaking it altogether, and he's now 24 years old, and he does not, he's no longer fluent in Klingon, as you might expect, having not spoken it in a couple decades. And uh, yeah, he can't even pick out individual words of the language, so he doesn't know it at all anymore, as you might expect, so... I'm gonna, I'm gonna say probably made high school a little easier for him <laughs> yeah yeah totally but uh, but he did at least for a very brief time uh, was the only native speaker of klingon, klingon. in the world wow. there you go yeah. hang his hat on that that was quite how did we how on earth did we transition from the burke and hair story to that you got to remind me uh did the burking the burking oh yeah the coining words word. like that was solid. Words. well done yeah good job yeah. okay yeah. it's easy enough to find these there's always something that's a solid there's fact. always something yeah. That's the end of it today, isn't it? That's the end. Shall I should we uh thank some people who've left us some lovely reviews yes, and we uh, should. and maybe do we know what we're doing next week, by the way? I have a few ideas, but I have not settled on which one. So no, not next really. week for one of Devin's yeah. few ideas. Uh someone says Chris is a boss. That's very I'm assuming the the user is Chris. That's very mm-hmm. um he obviously has a high opinion of himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop making fun of you, Chris, because you gave us a five-star review. He oh, says, nice. "I've been, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Simon, don't be mean to the people who leave us good reviews. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Chris. You say, I have been listening for about a week now, but I've been watching, especially someone who's been watching the YouTube channel for over a year. <laughs> uh, this is a great format for my commuting and doing stuff around the house. I love the tangents you verge into. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Purple Becker 923 Another five-star review. So I assemble pens for a living. Sounds easy, right? Oh, have we released the, we haven't released the, the space pen thing, have Ooh. we? Not no, yet. But by the time he's, he's going to like, hears this. Oh, that's true. She will have heard the one about she, pen. She, she will have, yeah, so. Through yeah. the magic of radio, podcast, yeah. whatever this format. Anyway, sounds easy, right? Sure. But it's also boring AF. You try assembling <laughs> yeah. 2,500, bloody hell, 2,500 pens a day? And wow. tell me you feel mentally stimulated. That's a lot of pens. 
Thankfully, I get to listen to music, audiobooks, and podcasts while I work. This show has been one of the most entertaining shows to listen to while I work. Not only does it keep me awake, it gets me smiling and I feel smarter come break time. And I have so much more interesting things to talk about at break, which endears me to my co-workers, so much so that they sometimes buy me lunch. And I attribute <laughs> that, in part, to this brain food. That's cool. Have you ever no, had no one, one of ever those buys jobs? Me lunch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you ever had one of those jobs that was so like the same repetitive thing over, over and over and over again? Like, have, have Dude, you... yes. <laughs> what, what was it? Uh, I've had a few. I think the the old, the classic uh, shelf stacker in the store. Oh. That's, uh, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty same, same. You know, mm -hmm, there's only mm -hmm. so many times you can read the ingredients list on a can of beans and be like, oh my God, the first <laughs> ingredient is water. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The uh, my my favorite of those I had was I, I was a dish loader, and you know they had one of those automatic conveyor uh, belt things, and I had these uh, little notches, no. and I got a game. Like we didn't, we had music, that was it. But it was just like endless supply from the university of just dishes coming in all the time, and so I made a game of throwing the dishes. Like, because if you threw them and they give them some backspin and stuff, and if you just hit the notch just right, it would go and then backspin into the thing. And it was quite a fun, like a little, like literally tossing, they're tossing them a few feet and backspin yeah. and you can, but you get good at it and you gotta, you gotta find ways to enjoy that type of work because it's awful. And now I, I didn't have podcasts back then. So, you know, we weren't allowed to listen to, we weren't allowed to have our own, um, ear pods in because in case someone in the store wanted to come up to you and ask you for something, so you need to be mm. like, hi, how can I help yeah. you today? I'm so happy to be here and help you oh, find yeah. the, the corn on the cob. Um, but we also weren't allowed music in the store because they didn't have a license to play music in the store. So it was <laughs> just silence. What and store doesn't have music? That's like, is that a, not a thing over there? Because here, every it's store has music. No, it's, it's not always. It's definitely not always a thing. And there's all sorts of, a friend of mine runs it. He's like, uh, he, he has a, his own shop. And he was telling me about the, the nightmare of like licensing and how expensive it is to be able to play the radio in a store. Really? So, yeah. And even at Christmas, yeah. we were like, please, can we listen to sing? And like the, the movement to get music was like a big thing. It was like, please, yeah. we're so bored. It's so horrible. Just some well, music and that just seems for, sh for shoppers. I can't imagine like shopping for groceries and it's just like silent with people milling about. Like that just yeah, seems, no, that's how know, it, that's that just how seems awkward. It is in UK stores. <laughs> it's just a lot of like quiet milling and, and people like saying excuse me to each other. <laughs> like, oh, excuse me. Pardon me. I just, can I just reach through here? Excuse me. Pardon me. Yeah, that just all, all seems very awkward. I think you need some music, some tunes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, I think like we, we, you were also quite isolated. So it'd be like you'd be stacking the shelves in one part of the store, but you wouldn't be doing it with a buddy. Your buddy would be stacking shelves in another part of the store. So you'd kind of be like, all right, yeah. well, I'm going to oh, no. make these beans look super neat. <laughs> Oh no, I can, I used to, I used to be a janitor at a grocery store, but like at night. So there was no oh, one yeah. in the store, but me and three other janitors and we each had our sections of the store. We did not see each other all night. Like we could have just died, you know, with <laughs> no one would know. Like literally I would clear out the freezer and I was like, what if it actually locked, you know, like you see in the movies, which isn't actually a thing. You can just, you know, open it. It doesn't actually yeah. lock where you get locked inside, but I am in there and no one would know. No one would find me till the morning if I was, uh, because you just don't see each other. And it's just like complete, just walking around. You know, but we had, we did have music, at least. We had the music playing over the stores, so that was nice. Yeah, yeah. God, dude, I'm I'm really, like, I'm, I'm glad I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I didn't uh, actually... It would be really tough to go back to. 
It would be, but it was, I would say that job was nice because it was, I mean, if you like peace and quiet, you know, your own thoughts, you know, podcasts, yeah. it would be great. They didn't have podcasts back then again, but, uh, you know, so each, but you, you're just walking around, you know, electronics section is always fun to kind of walk, see the new products, you know, as you're pushing the broom. I don't know. I was always, this is at least one of those things where you can at least be left alone in your own thoughts or mm -hmm. you can listen to a podcast yeah, that, or this. Yeah. But I've always done things which were boring and also slightly customer facing. So uh, yeah. you couldn't put That's in awful. AirPods or you couldn't like fully like zoning out. At least when I was younger, especially I could just like you'd just be like, all right, I'm just going to like turn my brain yeah. off for a while and just like look at this cash register. <laughs> it's like, no, it was wow. The number seven is shaped interestingly. No, it was great. I guess I didn't have I didn't have podcasts, but it was at college at the time. So I started actually recording the lectures and just listening mm. back to my lectures. So it was, you know, when I and I didn't do that all night because you can't, you know, brain, your brain gets fried after a while. But you could just, mm -hmm. you know, listen back for a while. And then you're just kind of quiet of your own thoughts, kind of just right. And when you go home, you don't have to worry about nothing. You know, you push a broom and, you know, mop and stuff. So it doesn't it's whatever. That's true. That's it's true. nice. That, that it, switching off when you get home is is definitely something I miss. Yeah, totally can't do that now. But the downside is women's restrooms. I don't know if people know this, but everyone I always we assumes about this on the podcast before, right? Did we? Have we? Because I don't. I don't know. I've talked to you about this before. I don't okay. know, but just no, uh, briefly. I'll tell it again. It's a good women's well. restrooms. Everyone thinks men's restrooms are the worst. No, it's not even a competition. They are a disaster area, and poop smeared on the walls half the time when you have to clean them. I don't know. Just ran, and and blood, as you might expect that oh. one. Um, it's just. And some people say, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you smear blood and poop all over the wall? Why? <laughs> I have to clean that now. And yeah. Uh, and what is I, your motivation, dear customer? <laughs> what, what is, I understand the general mess because there's, you know, a lot of things women do in the bathroom, you know, like more than men, men just go and they go to the bathroom. Women do a lot of things in the bathroom, but like, so I understand the general mess, but what is the motivation if there's any listeners who has smeared poop on the wall in the restroom what's going through your brain this is something no, I no, always no, no 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 i don't know <laughs> please don't please don't follow on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how i feel and, about hearing about and this. the person the person who made a like a soccer ball sized ball of poop <laughs> that wouldn't go down the toilet <laughs> what was in your brain i assume it didn't come out of them that way i would assume <laughs> i had to break that apart <laughs> To get it to flush. This is not right. This is not right. <laughs> Every night it was something new in the women's restroom. The men's restroom QBF is fine. QBF 6620. <laughs> There's not enough tangents. I I'm stopping this nonsense. I don't want any more. I listened to this for the meandering. This is not the best review to reveal after Dayon has spent time talking about poop footballs. Y'all are excellent when you get off topic. We need more tangents in all caps. Thank you, uh, QBF6620. I'm going to roll into another review before David can kick off about some more uh, toilet talk. Love it. From Mickers95, four stars. I wanted to catch up on the to the most current before I wrote a review and now have done so. Thank you for listening to the more Mickers. I love your more casual approach to the podcast versus all your uh, all business versus your all business theme on the tubes. Love the rabbit trails and random banter. Do try to split up the episodes, though, as much as space is awesome. I'm really getting tired of it after five episodes. Not that you shouldn't do more in the future, but variety is the spice of life, boys. More puns. You guys make my week in rural northeastern Oregon. Thanks a bunch. Hoping for a lot more. Also, listen on my phone and I missed the whistle. Four star as 
is five out of five stars if seasons of a topic become shorter to like two. One main story or whatever and one bonus fact section if there is content for multiples if you choose to read on a podcast. Ah, if there is content for multiples. If you choose to read this on the podcast, feel free to edit. I trust you. You guys are absolute legends and heroes and I worship you. Uh, that was my edit, that last that last sentence. <laughs> he said I could feel free to edit, so I added just an entire <laughs> sentence of praise in. Um, <laughs> legends and heroes. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's enough reviews for this week. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Um, I, I kind of agree. Like, I think five in a row or six in a row, whatever it was for yeah, space, it was, was a bit thankfully. Yeah, that's what... The we next... can always record them as one session and then, then uh, yeah. or like, as in a row, and then we can that's just what... splice them in. When we post the next two, the final two, I was just going to post them like at the same time type of thing, just so it's like, all right, okay. this is this is done now, everyone. Be also good for our ranking in iTunes. Yeah. yeah. More episodes, more rank. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the business side of podcasting. This is this episode's pretty long. Are we? Uh, is there anything else you want to add? Anything I need uh, to hit? Please support our sponsor, RX Bar, because you know this is really expensive. So it'd be nice if they came back. Yes, we would like that. And you can do that at rxbar.com forward slash brainfood. Use the code brainfood on checkout to enjoy 25% off. And it's a way better way to get protein than the inconvenience of chicken. And also, I'm not going to make a joke about human flesh because they probably won't like that. But rxbar.com forward slash brainfood. <laughs> not human flesh. In fact, not natural natural flesh. ingredients that aren't natural human protein, but rather things like almonds and cashews and peanuts and dates. And various fruit. Once again, no human flesh. <laughs> RX bar. Uh, I hope they approve this. And yeah, um, thanks to them for sponsoring. Seriously, it it is good. David talked to David got it shipped. I want to get some myself. It's uh, it's just a better way. All right, we'll uh, we'll be back uh, next week with another episode of Brain Food. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to give us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's all, folks. Come to Birkenhair for the finest in gentlemen's wear. (laughs)